Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, May 16th, 2019, otherwise known as Love a Tree Day. I chose that one to seem the most appropriate based on what we do, but then that spawned a question, are we honoring or are we murdering trees by building furniture? Discuss. We're more like exploiting the dead corpses of trees. That's true. We're not letting them go to waste. Yeah, if the trees have to die, we might as well build stuff out of them. Darn tootin'. That's right. Before we hop into the show, boys, I've got a cool announcement to make. Uh-oh. Last week, our episode was number one in the category of visual arts, because I kind of miscategorized us on accident when we started the podcast, but it's still good to know we're on top of the charts of where we're at. Yeah, I don't care where we are, as long as we're number one. Yeah. So. Who's number two? Ooh, that's a good question. I really don't remember. We're actually the only podcast that, in the category. You know, I don't listen to a lot of visual arts podcasts. <laughs> you know, that, that, that brings up something interesting, and that's the idea of categories. I feel mm-hmm. like for like for YouTube, do you guys just put yourself as the how-to category? I think that's what I'm in. Along with all of the makeup and like style bloggers. Right. Like it, it's funny that for how big of a term DIY is, that's often not a category in a lot of different content vertical selections. I also wonder for that whole, because yeah, like when you sign up to make a YouTube channel, you select what category you were in or whatever. I wonder if that's something that's almost like it made sense 10 years ago, but doesn't really make sense the way that YouTube works now, but they still just have it. Yeah. A vestige yeah. from the past or whatever you call it. It's it, it's a good first layer of classification, yeah. right? Because you know it, it lets you know. Okay, I'm not a gaming channel. I'm somewhere in how to. I'm not going to show you. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to tell you to do, but at least know that. Yeah, yeah. I I find those things kind of interesting. The I heard a friend of mine talking about how hunting is always lumped into outdoors, which isn't great. Yeah. <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to do it indoors, probably. <laughs> right, because the 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 killing of animals is often against what a lot of the people that just like hiking. Like. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the same thing, but it's like the opposite end of the spectrum. Right. We hunting granola or deer? Mm. Two different ends of the spectrum. Yeah, she's like labeling politics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, I'm like, in politics. Kind? Are you? Yeah. Oh, we're gonna be best friends. That'll end well. Yeah. But then again, I mean, DIY could be so broad. I mean, you could be making slime videos. You mm. could be building furniture. You could be doing makeup tutorials. This is all DIY. Cooking. You right. name Home it. and garden is is one that often we fall into. Yeah, I would take that. That's 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 pretty good. Yeah. My stuff is moving more and more towards home and garden with the most recent attic renovation that I'm working on. Oh, See how I just segued nice. right into what I was working on? Smooth. That's pretty good stuff. We're going to get this podcasting thing down pretty soon. Hey, we're number one. In visual arts. <laughs> All right, tell us about this attic. It's done. I am done, and I could not be more happy with how it came out, with how cool the projector wall looks, and how just happy I am at the potential of getting a video out. It's been about three weeks, I think. I had two people message me yesterday, both of them about not having videos up. And this guy said, hey, dude, YouTube called, said they miss you. (laughs) I'm like, dude, I know. I'm sorry. I'm I'm pushing to get all this stuff done. But I am not going to be dropping a deuce this week. I'm going to be spreading out this content since, since it's taken so long to produce. First will be the DIY 
door upgrade that has it's been on my Instagram quite a bit since I haven't been able to put out a lot of YouTube videos. I've definitely been chronicling everything that I've been doing on Instagram. So if you want to catch up with me, go check out my story highlights and my posts there. But that's the first video that's going to come out. It was getting to the point where the attic renovation video was getting close to 20 minutes and I still don't quite have the edit finished. So I was looking for chunks that I could kind of separate and make their own videos that really could stand alone. And the door is one. I think that's something a lot of people would be searching for, whether it's a barn door or a closet door upgrade, things like that. I think a lot of people are interested in that sort of thing as well as the floors. So those will be the two independent videos out of this whole process. And then I'll be putting out the attic renovation following those two. So should be a lot of fun. The projector that I'm going to be using in this room is so nice. I know, Chris, that you're in in talks with yeah. LG, who is sponsoring this video as well. If you get this projector, you're gonna you're gonna go crazy. It is so nice. Let's start a it movie pro- podcast. I think it projects up to 150, somewhere between 150 200 inches, and it is crystal clear. It is so sharp. So. I'm really excited to get this video out and uh, just be able to have like some movie nights at my parents when I'm in town. Invite all the homies over, pop some popcorn, get some red vines, and just... Oh, wait, we had this conversation. Didn't we have a Twizzlers versus Red Vines conversation? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm so. on Team Red Vine. Okay, I'm going to be... I'm going to be... I'm going to toe the line, I guess is what I would say, because toe I think the there's vine. room for both. I really think there's room for both. If yeah, you want I mean, a good candy... Like- that doesn't taste like just pure sugar, you can eat a Twizzler. Or if you need a straw, you can get a red vine. See, I think that... Each of them do things well. You know what? I'm not going to get into it again because that'll take this whole podcast. But I will just say red vines are the superior licorice wannabe. I would love to hear what people on the East Coast say because apparently red vines are a very West Coast thing. And I think ah. Twizzlers are more of a like a Midwest or Southern thing. So if anybody's a, an East Coaster, We're gonna let us know if you're going. a Twizzler or a red vine man. We'll get a poll going on the on the Instagram. So what, there we go. What video is coming out first? Is it the floor or the, the doors? That's or? right. Uh, the doors first. I've got that video finished up. Uh, I'm going to be editing the floors next, and then the attic will be coming out following those two. Hmm. And ha- ha- finishing up the floors, was there there any sort of issues, or did all the pieces still end up going? It looked like they, they were going pretty together, well, going together well with minimal gaps. Boy, it went together so well. I think I touched on it a little bit last week, talking about any time that I had a little bit of error starting to accumulate, it was really convenient that I was able to just trim off one of the sides of one of the uh, parallelograms to kind of fix all of the errors for that row. Then I can move on to the next one with a clean slate. And because I took all that time to set things up proper, you're right, like my gaps were as small as I could have hoped for. But once I got everything together, I threw in some wood filler and that basically acted like grout and cleaned things up so much. It's going to be really insane when y'all see the video and notice the difference between the floor is laid, and then once I put the filler and then do a quick little sand, that just took the contrast out of the pieces and the gaps so much. It just made everything blend and look so clean. How many people do you think will tell you in the comments that expansion and contraction will cause it to buckle? Well, here's my thing. One, I'm addressing it by using plywood because I'm using something more stable than solid wood. 
I think the big thing that I'm going to get called out a lot on is the fact that it's not solid wood. And so if I ever need to sand them down or maybe if the veneer face chips or something like that, then I'm sort of screwed, which I totally can understand. My my counter to that is it's in a theater room in my parents' converted attic, which means it is incredibly low traffic. And it's also, like I said, at my parents, if something goes wrong, I could literally pop one of those pieces out, throw another one in because I've got about 20, 30 of them left over. And if I have to repair one little area, that's great. I can do that. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I was thinking like, oh, it might be a good idea to like crank the heater all the way up to like 90 degrees. So you install them (laughs) at like the most expanded, hottest temperature that the room will be. Yeah. Put a humidifier in there and everything. Yeah. No, that would totally... I, I, in fact, I think we're going to talk in a little bit about projects that have kind of gone a little haywire on us. And I've had one or two projects expand and or contract on me and cause problems. And that totally makes sense. Or would it make more sense to apply or to install everything with the lowest humidity so that they're all shrunk? That way, when they expand, it just closes gaps even more. Yeah. Mm. I'd go the other way. If it you if this were something way? that actually happened, yeah, I would want yeah. them to be their biggest because yeah. if they're at their smallest and you get them tight and then they expand, you, it's going to like break apart. I guess, yeah. I was just thinking it would just get less and less of a gap between the pieces. But Also, it's, I don't know. it's a soft plywood, right? Uh, no, it's all birch. It's so. all birch, okay. Yep. And then the only other talking points that, that I wanted to hit on this floor install was... The way I applied the finish, this was something that I was actually really, really nervous about and really excited about. I went through the paint aisle at Home Depot, and I did a little bit of Googling while I was there. Personally, I've had some negative experiences using water-based polyurethane, like polycrylic or the Verithane water-based, which is what I used, with a foam roller, like a high-density foam roller. Because of that orange peel texture that you get with a roller, like if you're using, yeah. if you're applying paint or anything like that... That same texture happens when you apply a clear finish, or at least it has for me. And I knew that I didn't want to just get a a paintbrush and start slapping it on. So I went down the aisle and I found pads that are basically like foam brushes. It's basically like having a like a four inch by eight inch foam brush pad. Yeah. And that just attaches to a broom handle. Uh, I think they're marketed for applying deck stain and deck finish. But I used that with the water-based polyurethane, and after three coats, it is it it built up super thick and super smooth, and that also just made everything so much nicer to the touch. Nice. A thick coat of finish, as much as I typically try to avoid doing that, in this case with the floors was like the best case scenario, because it helped. Yeah. Everywhere that I had two pieces almost lined up perfect, but maybe one was one was raised a little bit. After I hit that with a sanding block and then threw on a thick couple coats of finish, it all just kind of self-leveled and, and turned out real great. Yeah, I think there's sort of a different standard that you hold or judge yourself by when it's a floor compared to, you know, a coffee table or whatever. Totally. I think so. Well, it's interesting, too, because the even if the veneers are relatively thin... The only places you're really going to have to sand them down to get the floor to conform is at the edges. But if you do it at the edges, it's going to reveal a little bit of the underlayer, which, but it's only going to be at the edge. So if anything, that's just going to help define the outline to make the pattern more strong. Yeah, that's sort of what I found. So yeah, that, that lines up perfectly. And I used a sanding sponge, which is something I really almost never do, but the sanding 
but the sandpaper company Gator sent me a few products and one of them was a bunch of just basically like dense foam sponges with like sandpaper on each side. Yeah. They're amazing. They're really convenient. Have you guys ever used them before? Yes, they're yeah. they're kind of expensive to use as a as a consumable everyday sort often. of thing. And I find okay. that they get clogged up pretty quick. Mhm. So I for anything where I have to sand non-flat surfaces, like if I had to sand a a bicycle frame or tube steel or anything like that, they're they're phenomenal. Awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to keep that in mind though. What you just said, the fact that they're not super cheap because after I use that I'm like, "Oh, I'm going to use these all the time now." But I'll make sure and only use it when it makes sense to use it then. But what are you guys working on this week? I'm excited to hear what you got going on. Yeah, so I'm just finishing up the edit for the Nintendo Switch project. And last week when we talked, I know I had mentioned, I don't think I had finished it yet. So obviously it's all finished now that I'm editing it. And right, this is the project where you're making your TV yeah. a gigantic Nintendo Switch, right? Yeah, and so I don't know if we're allowed to certify our own things as bangers or if it's premature. <laughs> <laughs> but based off one of the thumbnail picks that I got, I'm going... This could possibly be a certified banger. Oh or, man, I, guess I hope it could possibly so. be a banger. Possible I mean, banger is not a sticker. It's ooh, the, maybe the idea of the certified means that you're certain. You can't How about just be, a like, potential banger? Yeah, potential to bang video. Potential to bang <laughs> <laughs> or sticker. We need to get that in the works. Yeah, uh, that's definitely a strong possibility. But dude, that project is perfectly lined up for for that potential at least, right? Like it's yeah, a, it's, it's a crossover be, hit. You've got like the you've got the Rihanna of DIY woodworking projects. She's actually right making now. a cameo too. Oh wow! In the, in the video, I was able to. She wasn't busy that. She's day. just gonna to be on in. screen. Yeah, in the thumbnail, I'm playing a video game starring Rihanna. Uh, yeah. No, but it it came out pretty cool looking. Um, definitely, you know, like anytime now, one of Seven's friends walks in the house, they're very drawn to it. So. It's got some little kid viewership potential for sure. We'll see if if it registers with everybody else. In terms of what else I'm working on, actually just editing at the moment, I need to start my next project and I got a few potential projects I can do, but there's a couple quick ones I could do, but I actually kind of want to do something big next because I feel like I have a little bit of wiggle room right now and mm. it's rare that you have those instances. So I'm kind of like, oh, I want to do something that might be like, you know, a good week and a half, two week build. Awesome. But I'm not sure what I, I, there are some pieces that I need, but I haven't specifically designed anything yet. I've just got, you know, very much in the beginning phases. So I'm probably going to just kind of slow myself down a little bit and fight the urge to be like, no, I need to start building something today and really think about what I want to do next for the next couple of days and then get going on it in the middle of this week, hopefully. Awesome. So how did you how'd you get this buffer? Did you just knock out a few projects that gave you a lead? Yeah, so I I always try to work like, you know, a week ahead or so, but then I had right. one video get pushed back a month. That, oh, okay. So I, I had another video that I was supposed to get out this month and they pushed it back. So I think what I'm gonna end up doing is still going ahead to produce it this month, but then just wait until June to get it out. But yep. that just kind of buys me some extra wiggle room that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And also because I was sort of, uh, I'm finally coming out of like a ton of videos that I had, I I had overextended myself earlier a couple months ago. And so I'm kind of out of that hole now. And I feel like I I have some time that I can spend on some longer projects now, but I still do have a few small ones that I need to do. And actually I need to call, I, I think I talked about on here also, but 
uh, me and Sean Boyd are supposed to do a collab pretty soon. Yeah. So I may kind of call him and see what his schedule's like because this could be a good one to collaborate on. It could be something that would be in his wheelhouse. That's awesome. So let's hit this quick brainstorm sesh then. Let's do it. What you've got? You've got a solid week and a half. Yeah, maybe two weeks to produce, right? Let, let's let's say that. Sure. So time is almost not a factor when it comes to you know woodworking. Yeah, if it you could got be a, something. If you got two weeks, you could pretty much build anything. Anything. So an arc. What do you need? Okay, so is, is is the office kind of talking head space where you want to film? Is there anything that needs to be made there? The the next thing that I actually really want to get cracking on is bedroom stuff. I've been wanting Ooh. to redo our bedroom for a while, and so the first thing that I wanted to do was the bed. But yeah. the bed that I want to do is a very like plywood DIY kind of bed. And I kind of want to do something that's a little higher end just because I feel like I've been doing a lot of plywood lately. Yeah. So then that's making me not want to do that. And actually, I so I had built, I had designed a bunch of furniture that was all plywood based for the bedroom. And then I, I, as I got to thinking about it more, I was like, you know, I don't want everything to be as matchy matchy as I have it right now. I want to it to be a little bit more eclectic. So huh. I think I'm going to probably go for some sort of dresser next. That's a little bit more high end. Cause that's something that I'll need to build for it anyway. And then I'll just sort of push the bed off to when I'm, when I've got the uh, plywood urge again. Nice. I think you should do combine the projector into the bed and have the projector go onto the ceiling. So you can I lie tried in to bed do that. and watch uh, a, <laughs> and watch movies straight up on the ceiling. I tried to pitch somebody on that and. I was shut down. Dude, that would be a certified banger. But I can still banger. do it. That would be a certified banger. I know. I think that would be awesome. And, and I would love having that. And I would definitely use that. So that's an interesting thing. Like I've had that a few times where I've pitched an idea that I knew would work well on YouTube, meaning that it would get a lot of views and be a fun, interesting project where just confident in its certified banginess. Yeah. And brands, for whatever reason, have uh, said, no, no, that doesn't make sense to us. Or they said, you already did one of those before. Why would you want to do two? And I'm like, because they're different. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't you already have so a So I think the interesting thing is that, and then normally I do another project that doesn't perform as well. But I often forget to go back and just actually do the thing for a different sponsor. <laughs> oh, it like uh, turns you off to it. <laughs> when they right. say no, you're Somebody like, dang said it. No and then it kind of like, if the idea works and it's it's something that I think that it's probably the biggest logical fallacy that I see the three of us making repeatedly is forgetting to go back to that kind of thing and just doing yeah. that obvious thing that would perform well because you can always slide a different, less difficult sponsor into it. Well, it's tough though because a lot of times the sponsor is looking for some Applebee's content. They want something that they know the family's going to love and it's got like no risk to them. It's missing that upside, but it's also missing the the potential to totally be a flop, right? Yeah, yeah, I think with this one, what happened is they very much want diversity in the things that they're the the things that people are creating for them, and I don't think that that's as important as they think it is because the audiences are not one hundred percent the same that are watching us. It's going yeah. out to all sorts of different people. Oh, so you're saying someone else already pitched them a projector bed? Yeah, they said that somebody else is already building one. But I mean, uh, you know, I may just do the the other project that we had been planning with them, mm -hmm. and then maybe I'll do it for the bed too, just because it's like I've already got the projector, and yeah. I think this would actually be really useful. So why not? Man, so you were just mentioning a bedroom project, and I was just thinking I would love to see something live edge from you again because the console you did a couple of weeks back came out really really nice mm -hmm. and 
I, I, I enjoy your take on Live Edge because you still keep somewhere in the in the project. There's still some really clean lines, some interesting geometry that you get to kind of they get to play off of each other a little bit. Yeah, I actually got um, Gobi Woodwork. I think they're in like Oregon. They're somewhere on the West Coast, like North Northwest, and they do a lot of walnut work. And one of the guys contacted me was like, "Hey, do you want me to send you out some offcuts of walnut?" And so Ooh. I was like, "What are off-? like I, I picture my yeah. offcuts, which are like you know little <laughs> tiny pieces, and but they work with like a lot of huge slabs, so they have offcuts that are like four foot, you know, by fifteen inches wide pieces." So he sent a box to me. So I got a bunch of like medium sized walnut live edge pieces that are just sitting in the shop now that I'm eventually going to do something with. Man, what yeah. do you th- uh, so is What's this the is it Clara walnut or is it I don't I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what kind it is and they're they're varying thicknesses. Like it it really is just kind of like random pieces. Huh. So it would be hard to use them all for one particular project, but they're things that I can work into smaller projects and probably, you know, it'll probably end up getting spread out over several projects, just like whenever there's a use for this piece type of deal. You ever seen those mosaic photos where they're made up of a bunch of other smaller photos? Yeah. I almost think you could do something like when people normally use a live edge in a, in a, in a project, they're normally trying to think of how to keep that edge as intact as possible. But if you have a bunch of small pieces of live edge, It'd be interesting if you used them to create something else that's supposed to be curved or non-uniform mm-hmm. by like patching all those edges together. Yeah, like you made a bunch of <laughs> Yeah, what if you made like a live edge edge banding that like went around <laughs> so so like you had like a you built a circular table and then somehow made a, a live a fake live edge that went around it or something. Right, like it's a thick it's a thick edge banding. Yeah. Yeah, it would be interesting if they did it in like a circular table or something like that. Yeah. Where, where it was really like a challenging to sort of cut these chunky pieces into it. If you could figure out a cool like joinery method between the segments, so they sort of three-dimensionally puzzle lock in between, that could be kind of fun. Or if you just used them as like sort of a contour map, like similarly to how... Did you see the project we did for the greats, the the Soho shoe store, where it was like plywood yeah. shelves that were all kind of curved and scallops? Mm-hmm. Yes. It would be interesting if you did something on a smaller scale with a bunch of live edge pieces where you kind of align the edges to create some sort of implied surface curve because of the way all the edges sort of align with each other. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do with them, but. So make a live edge Nelson bench. That would be especially uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you designed it to be uncomfortable? Well, I'm going to up the ante a little bit here. Yeah, totally. Okay, so, man, are you thinking something for the bedroom then? Like, actually, do you think that's what you're going to end up falling back on? Or you got Probably. other spaces that could get filled? Th- that's the one that's in <laughs> no the most... No pun intended. Hey, oh. That's the one that's in the most need of it, I would say. And kind of tailors or, or allows itself for what I want to do or what I'm most interested in, which is, I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's any real like need to do it that way. How I was talking about not wanting to do something plywood just because I feel like I've done a lot of it. That's more just like for my own sanity. I don't know if you guys do that same thing where you just, I'm kind of burnt out on working with this type of thing. I want to do this now. Absolutely. I'm burnt out on any sort of remodeling. And so I, I am just excited to be able to build something that stands on its own. So like the doors, the floors, the attic, everything involved in that is dependent on other things. I just want something that's right. self, you know, it's just, it's its own thing. Yeah. yeah so when know, it's done, it's done. 
it's actually also been a long time since I've done just a smaller piece. And that doesn't need to really mm. be, it doesn't necessarily mean fast, but just, you know, small in scale. Well, small things, I, I, I know this this idea isn't the smallest, but compared to what you do a lot of times, I think a, f- a bench or some sort of storage for the footboard of a bed mm-hmm. so that you can like lace up your shoes and have somewhere to sit, that sort of thing. I think that's totally underserved on YouTube. I don't really know of many videos in that space. And then I think some sort of nightstand with wireless charging built in would be really convenient too. Been now that pretty that. much every phone has wireless charging. Yeah. Yeah, that's true though. Yeah, you're right. I know you've already tapped out the wireless charging market. Yeah, I think when I build the bed, when it, that's one of the things I want to include in the headboard is not wireless charging, but just like a place to charge everything. I guess yeah. just like docking for all of your devices kind of like ben was talking about with like the thick ledge in in a that was in the the container home right yeah that you put those and just like having a place to easily set things so like our watches our phones all that stuff if i make kind of a thick headboard where you can just sort of set it up there and it's basically a ledge that's sort of what i was thinking about doing a slatted headboard with all the offcuts of the live edge could be kind of cool so it's kind of those little shelves to tuck things in. Um, oh, that- it would be cool if the shelves slid in between the slats. And that's what held the shelves. So you could just move the shelves around. Right. That's kind of what I had in the kids' bed that I built. The one. This was a long time ago. This was one of my earlier projects. But it, yeah. it's essentially just like a slatted headboard with three quarters of an inch between each slat. And then you can stick in little shelves. Oh, nice. For some reason, I I only remember like the the thumbnail image of that one. And that was like the one you took outside, right? Yeah. And so it was like kind of a raised platform. It's actually two different videos, too. So I had built the whole bed and then I built the headboard like two months later. (laughs) So it's got its own video. (laughs) What's up, guys? I'm finally getting around to finishing my kid's bed. Yeah. Nice. Ben, what are you working on? I just published the video uh, episode four for the container house build. Congratulations, sir. Yes, and it's a little bit shorter. It's only about 10 minutes, but it's really focused just on the septic system. So basically, where, where does the poop go is the, <laughs> is the whole concept of the, of the video. It's the shittiest episode so far. Yes. Uh, I refrained on too many kind of puns or Get them all out crap now. and poop jokes. Um, yeah. I guess like one in there. Um, but uh yeah, it was it was fun. It was a topic I didn't know a lot about. So it was definitely one of those projects where I'm kind of sharing my research process. So there's some yeah. you know, there's some mistakes along the way where, oh, we spend money on a percolation test and that didn't actually work. And so then we had to try this and then that didn't work. And then we so there's a lot of the 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 nonlinear process that leads to the arrival of the final solution. How are you finding that people like that sort of information compared to the step one, step two, step three things as it relates to the container house? People seem to be liking all the videos a lot. Yeah, which is awesome. The I mean, the first three videos are all well over a million views, which is kind of nice to have that that streak that of every oh, yeah. video on the channel being over a million. I again it's just it's just such a reminder of how unimportant subscribers are on YouTube relative to just view performance. So this one's interesting because it was technically a lot less work 
uh, both into edit and in the amount of content that I packed into one episode. So it'll be interesting to see if it's sort of like a in a TV series they call it like a bottle, uh, a bottle episode where it's sort of self-contained mini story within a a longer sort of bigger story. But so I, I separate. I originally was going to have this involved with like all the technical systems. So it's going to be about the septic system, the electrical systems, and the HVAC. But when I was sort of researching septic systems, I saw that there was a lot of interest just in those as a standalone system separate from container houses. So I decided to kind of bottle it up and make it a standalone thing, but then it still works within how did this shipping container house get done. So it has a little more utility for people that have a normal house and are thinking about building a septic. They look awesome. They look so amazing. The fact that you've got planters that are fed by poop is it's the funniest thing in the world but it's also just like really cool because it actually works right uh well i'm still hesitant to say that like it will work and it is working fantastic like zero issues but systems like that you're really supposed to judge how they work over like five to ten years so like how effective the system is means oh you'll have to pump it if you have to pump it out every two years because it's not the temperature or it's not getting enough aeration within the septic tank to break down the solid waste, then it still works, but that's not a great septic system. If we can go five to 10 years without having to pump it out, then it's a it's a pretty solid system. So it was one of those things that I made, was careful to sort of caveat, like here's how I did it. I don't know if this is going to be something where we have to pump it out two years or if this is going to be something that just takes care of itself because it is perfectly balanced. I don't know if I'll have to add an overflow to it a year from now or or anything like that. So uh, there's a lot of variables, which I think also kind of factor into our topic, which is going to be sort of longevity of, of projects. But it looks really cool. It's a nice twist on a, on a really common system that people don't see too often. And it was a really crappy project that was fun to do. There it is. <laughs> he couldn't contain himself. That's awesome. All right. So before we hop into this week's topic, let's send it to one of our amazing sponsors, Skillshare. The Modern Maker Podcast is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators with more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more. You'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity, or to turn your side hustle into your career. Take classes in social media marketing, mobile photography, creative writing, or even illustration. So I've used Skillshare to actually take a number of courses in the past, but probably the one that's been most influential to me was video editing for Adobe Premiere Pro for beginners, which I took a few years ago, but it's still totally relevant today. They update it so that it's most up to date with you know, the new software as it updates itself. And this was a really big deal for me because obviously it's what I use to produce all of my videos. And these courses are serious. Like this, this one that I took was three hours and 22 minutes long. I don't remember how many chapters, several either way. And it really lays the foundation and can take you from knowing nothing at all to becoming a pretty legit editor just going through that course. And if it was something that you wanted to follow up on to take it even further, they have intermediate courses, advanced courses, things that go into specific like color correction. Basically, you can take it as far as you want to take it. 
Absolutely. And you were just talking about color correction. I took a course completely on LUTs, which is the color grading that you do at the end of your video. And that's just one of the ways Skillshare does these deep dives into specific topics. So if you're interested in joining the millions of students already learning on Skillshare, make sure and follow the link in the podcast notes that Skillshare.com forward slash modern maker to get two months of Skillshare free. That's right. Skillshare is offering the followers of the modern maker podcast two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. So to sign up one more time, that is Skillshare.com slash modern maker. Again, Skillshare.com slash modern maker. One time, Mike, one more time. <laughs> uh, Skillshare.com slash modern maker. Perfect. Link in the description. All right. So we have a question, which is leading into a topic, and it's from Hans Friddle on Instagram. Hey guys, been a minute. Heart emoji. Thank you. Still listening and following. Uh, I was thinking about how all of you have so many projects over the years and that materials, whether they be wood or steel or concrete, all move and shift with time. I was wondering if you guys could talk about a project that you've done that maybe hasn't held up as well as it was when it was first built due to these shifts over time and talk about how you might have been influenced how or what you decide to build. Mm. So he's just thinking about longevity yeah. and durability of projects over time and wondering how much of that all factors into design. Yeah, I've got a couple that spring to mind. So here, I'll, I'll start off by just talking about one of them and then we can kind of go around and maybe I'll come back to the second one. But the one right behind me, which is not very old, I built it, uh, what, two, three months ago probably when I... I think so. So that's the really long entertainment unit, I guess. It's just a series of six doors and they all... So the 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 hard part about that project was getting nice, even gaps across the whole thing, which I was able to do. They came out pretty good. One of the things that I... Well, first off, having little kids. So having a one-year-old who's just learning to walk and pulls himself up on everything. Oh, yeah. I didn't really factor in that he'd be grabbing onto the doors to pull himself up constantly. Like several times a day, he's doing that. Uh -oh. And the screws, I, so the, I think that the screws that come with the hardware oftentimes could be quite a bit more robust than what they give you. <laughs> yeah. So that was one of the first things I did. Like they were starting to get out of whack and like doors were starting to bind and stuff. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to change out the screws on all this because I could actually feel that they were getting loose. Like they were sort of pulling out of the, the plywood cabinets. So I the first thing I did was change the screws and that and then readjusted the the doors on everything. You know how the bloom hinges you can kind of adjust the the gaps. So once I did that, I readjusted everything and got it pretty good again. That was probably 2 weeks ago and it's been fine since then. Like the gaps still look good. It hasn't bound up on anything. He's still pulling himself up on it all the time. So hopefully that was enough to do the to to fix the problem, but going back if I were to redo it again, or if somebody has kids where you think that it's going to be under that kind of abuse, I probably would not choose something that was so dependent on very fine dialing in of, of things in terms of gapping and that sort of thing. I would, I'd probably do something that just like had a more simple overlay or had a face frame where you those kind of problems aren't going to show themselves as much. It's kind of disguised. Yeah. Or where they're not where the I guess that's what a face frame would do is where the doors aren't necessarily interacting with each other directly. There's exactly. something that you can use to like fudge a little bit of error. But when they're right, right 
like when when you have to fix one gap, that affects the gap on the other side of the door. Exactly. So then you have to basically go down the whole row to fix. Yeah, yeah, to fix they, everything. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. If there was a face frame, it would be an isolated problem when right. one was wrong. Where th- this, it's not. Totally. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of funny since you went first because I feel like oftentimes when it comes to people having problems with their projects it's it's a lot of those like first 10 projects where everything is two by sixes or two by fours yeah and people don't really know like oh dang i accidentally bought pressure treated two by fours Mm -hmm. or something silly like that or even just not really knowing to really sift through the pile of two by fours or two by sixes to find those ones that have relatively straight grain and aren't like 30 pounds because they're just completely wet and so I'm going to avoid talking about that type of project because I think that's kind of one of those problems that everyone goes through when they're sort of, uh, you know, getting their legs, right? Those are those those mistakes that everybody makes. Yeah, I've had a few problems with live edge projects or things that are made out of non-dimensional lumber. Mm-hmm. So the very, very first live edge table I ever built was a old, old, old chunk of... I think silver maple and it came from a local sawmill and it was not kiln dried at this time. I was not even aware of what kiln drying was. I didn't, I didn't understand the concept of wood being wet and having to dry. This was probably like my fifth YouTube video is really, really early on. Mm -hmm. And so I made a router sled. I flattened out this gigantic slab. It was really cool. I mean, it was a five inch thick cookie. So it was, the grain basically oriented vertically. It wasn't, it wasn't like a board. And so, and because of that, that meant it was even a little bit more volatile because it, I don't know, cookies tend to warp more than just boards do even. And so I flattened everything out, sanded it. And as I was sanding it, I didn't really know why at the time. I just noticed that it kept getting water that would rise to the surface. Mm. And I realized now that's because it was just stupid green. Like it was stupid wet. But I was just like, oh, wow, this is weird that live edge slabs do this. I just thought it was a characteristic of a live edge slab, not necessarily a characteristic of having wood that wasn't kiln dried or wasn't air dried properly. Yeah. And so I got it done, slapped the legs on. It looked great. Took my pictures, put it, put it in the, put it in the house. And like three months later, I noticed that when I when I put a glass on it, the 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 level of the water didn't quite sit flat, <laughs> and I remember having this weird kind of moment where it's I was like, Jurassic "What?" Park. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I remember looking at it and just kind of being confused for a second because when you have a live edge coffee table, none of the lines are straight, and so you don't notice a little right. dip in it as easily. And so I just had this moment of looking at it so confused, but. You know, it's one of those things that I'm okay with because I know why it happened. And I think that's the big thing is if you make a mistake, if you know why, for one, that just kind of lets you rest easy knowing, knowing, but also you can avoid making that mistake again. And that's the big thing. So where is that? Is that project still being used today somewhere? No, I wish it was. It's in storage. It's at my parents in their big metal building. But You go check up on it. It's yeah, just gonna I, be like I don't know taco. what I'm going to do with it. One day, I just need to destroy it, as in, like, you know, leaving leaving behind the mistakes. We're only moving forward here on Modern Builds. That's right. <laughs> but I, I'm kind of curious. I'm going to have to go check it out now, because it's probably been in storage for close to two years. 
So yeah. I don't know how long it would take for a slab like that to dry, but it might be ready. Maybe it so I'll just mill it back, back down. Yeah, I'll just flatten it back out and see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think I, the way I'm thinking about this topic is I'm thinking about all those doubting criticisms that tend to happen in the comment section. Stuff like, oh, that's going to expand. That's going to crack. That's concrete won't hold up over time. Most of the time, I see those people as being kind of like overly alarmist. So they're aware yeah. of one type of potential failure in a in a project, and then they exaggerate that, and they're so concerned about what might happen, they exclude kind of more elegant aesthetic design possibilities by making things sort of like thinner or lighter or more sleek looking because they're so worried about this thing that might happen. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're overly cautious, you kind of limit options that might not actually be that much of a concern, which is why it's so important to not just address fears until you've kind of quantified their likelihood of happening. That makes sense. Yeah. So I don't think I've had too much problems with things actually moving. In my experience, that happens more at the architectural scale of things like flooring or stair treads or decks that are that are too close together and then it rains and the wood swells up. I know when we installed the roof deck at my Boston loft, it was interesting because they used pressure treated, I think one by sixes, no, two by sixes for the deck. So it's a pretty chunky deck. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, the green pressure treated wood. It was incredibly wet. And when they installed it, they installed it with no gaps. And I'm just like, um, you guys sure you don't want uh, gaps? And they're like, no, it'll it'll dry to have gaps or actually they just use a single nail as the gap um so it's just like a in between an eighth of an inch and a 16th and yeah like after two or three sunny days the wood the <clears throat> gap shrunk to like a quarter of an inch so yeah. the movement <laughs> is real but it's interesting when people are worried about movement without considering it relative to the length of the piece of wood because yeah. the when you're calculating wood movement it's normally a factor of length so it's a it's a percentage movement. It's not like any piece of walnut will expand one eighth of an inch. <laughs> a six foot long piece is going to expand more than a uh, eight inch long piece. Yeah. So I think that's the, the sort of first set of thoughts that come to mind. In terms of projects that change over time, I would say the the staining of things would be uh, an interesting topic. So when I made my concrete countertops in, again, in the Boston loft, I just used a beeswax uh, countertop surface. So it's not an incredibly impervious uh, surface treatment. And everyone's like, oh, it's going to stain. It's going to stain. Oh, what are you going to do when it stains? How are you going to solve that? And I'm like, yeah, it's going to stain. The first stain will be a little bit awkward, but then over time, it'll have that kind of old farmhouse stained stone appeal. That people nice really like in vintage stuff, right? So, yeah, it's like that move when people take an old workbench and then use it as a kitchen island or something like that. Right. So we don't, we don't like the awkward one. So uh, the awkward single stain really stands out, but a complex matrix of them overlapped is a patina that can be very visually appealing. So th those kind of things come to mind. I would say the, the, the underrated thing that I don't often consider relative to longevity is the ability to move a large piece of furniture and how it comes apart, particularly with like a sofa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's 
when you build something like a sofa, if you build it into space, you tend to make it not very mobile or modular. But the the value and the functionality of a sofa design, I think a, a portion of that is in its ability to sort of be moved through a doorway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, coming apart to be moved to a different room or a different home and stuff like that, I think is actually a, a quality of design that isn't often considered enough. Yeah. So here's a question for you guys. The sort of hardware that IKEA uses a lot, those, just all of them, they, they use basically kind of like four to eight pieces of hardware and connectors really, really often. Mm-hmm. And those same connectors you can pick up at Home Depot. Have you ever considered using, whether it's those fasteners that you basically turn them and then they like, they're basically like turn locks basically for attaching panels and things like that. Have you ever oh, yeah, considered yeah. using IKEA style hardware? to build your projects just to make it like knockdown basically essentially yeah i've never thought about using those ones i mean i definitely so i i think i do think about that a lot and almost everything i build partially be, especially now because of building it in the shop and then needing you know basically the first thing i end up doing to it is moving it so i oh. need to be able to <laughs> take it apart get it in the truck move it in the house all that stuff so it sort of forces me to think about it and that's probably one of the reasons that I went however many years never using a pocket hole and now have used pocket holes quite a bit is because I kind of use them that way. It's very good for quickly yeah. taking things apart and putting things together. I have this other, so it, it's kind of like that, but Woodpeckers makes a thing for basically making knockdown furniture for installing that sort of hardware. I've used it a little bit, but I haven't really used it in, I don't think I've used it in any video projects yet. I think I've mostly just used it on Instagram and for a few little things that were not on a video. I haven't really thought about doing it the Ikea way, which obviously works. (laughs) They're doing pretty well. It works for them. Yeah, they're selling a few pieces. Yeah, they're moving units. But do you think that would downgrade the overall project? I mean, no one's going to see it. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't don't think so. I don't think it does. That's why, like... You know, for the same reason, I don't think pocket holes do, even though there's yeah. sometimes, I don't know if like any, any negative can, cons- first off, I think most of what people think of them is positive, but whatever negativity is out there, I don't know if it's because of an aesthetic thing or if it's just that people see it as like, oh, that's just like a cheap way to do it or an easy way to do it. So it's not good because it's easy. Yeah. I think it's a lot of that sort of can or should argument just because I can build this without pocket holes doesn't mean that I necessarily should because the pocket holes are in this case just suited well to what I want, you know? Yeah. But a lot of people I think get proud of their ability to build things. And then that's what, you know, sort of leads that sort of mindset, but cool. Okay. Well, now that, now that I know I'm kind of the only one out here looking at this Ikea hardware, I'm going to have to do a DIY hack. I need to do an Ikea hack but I, I'm trying to think of it like instead of taking an Ikea piece and then modifying it, I need to build an Ikea yeah, piece just like out if of I were material. A desi- if I were an Ikea designer. Yeah, here's exactly. What, here's what I would make. One that of those would be pretty things. cool. Going back to something that Ben said about just like the sort of comments that you get about people worrying about your project. Oh, yeah. I think the two most common ones that I've gotten over my time were, first off, by far the most would be the crayon table. People are worried mm. that it's going to melt. So far, it has not melted. has to get over 140 degrees to melt. So I will be dead if it ever melts inside of my house because that means it got to 140 in my house. But then people also say, well, yeah, but you can't set a 
cup of coffee on it. It's like 90% of the table isn't covered in crayon. <laughs> you could just set it in those places or use a coaster. But yeah. the one Either, that has a epoxy, you could, right? It won't melt. Yeah, that one you the, could for sure. Yeah. yeah, but even the one that's just wax. Like I think people think of the wax as, and I would not suggest, for most anybody building this, I would say, yeah, the epoxy one is going to be more durable day to day, but the wax one is still considerably more durable than people think that it is. It's not nearly that fragile. Uh, the other one that I got a ton of comments on was when I did the outdoor furniture and people were like, they basically just assume whatever environment they live in is why yes. this won't work. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but it does. First off, it's under a covered patio. It barely rains here. If, on the, you know, maybe one or two times a year that that would happen, I can just throw something over it and yeah. actually keep a tarp out there for that reason. That's just in a little, one of the storage cubbies right there. I just have a big tarp. So if it ever is going to rain hard, I can throw it on it. Nice. Yeah. It's like one of the evolutionary stages of intelligence is to understand how rules are different within context. And that seems to be something that's escaped a lot of YouTube commenters that they think that they, when they learn something, they think, ah, I learned this universal rule about this. And they forget or maybe never actually saw the nuance that that is actually only applicable in certain circumstances. Maybe I'll, I'll take it as a compliment and I'll say that it's because my videos come off as so personal that they think I'm just showing them. And they're yes. like, but why are you showing me this? I can't do this <laughs> in Michigan. You just connect with people too well. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, does anybody have any other projects that have gone terribly wrong that they want to shout out? <laughs> Who wants to shout out their failures? Have you ever had any concrete projects go terribly wrong? I know you're just talking about the countertops, but have you ever had any like failed pours or tabletops that have snapped in half or anything like that over time? Nothing comes to mind. The, the one experiment that didn't work the way I thought was... I wanted to make a concrete slab that had a gradient kind of stained fade from sort of red to white. So I was using white concrete, and then I mixed in a lot of iron filings into the concrete along the surface to try to get it to rust out. And then as it rusted, it would kind of make this reddish fade. It really didn't, the iron particles I used, I probably should have soaked them in or dipped them in vinegar first. But I took a bunch of filings just from the angle grinder. It came out more of a brown and it really didn't spread. I also used a countertop grade concrete. So I think it had a little bit too much of a plasticizer in it. So it wasn't porous enough to really have that kind of like sandstone, you know, seeping along it. So that was something where, you know, I spent time on an experiment. It wasn't in a project. I just made like a small sample and then didn't pursue it any farther. But yeah. I would say the thing that I'm really glad that I did was I didn't make a giant table and try it for the first time. I was <laughs> glad that I made a, you know, an eight inch by eight inch uh, little sample of concrete. So now yeah. I, you know, I have a stepping stone in the backyard. I don't have this giant thing that I need to break up and get rid of. Well, with that in mind, since you haven't had a lot of tabletops fail on you, things like that, do you have a go-to method of pouring, you know, let's say you just need an inch and a half coffee table top. Do you have a go-to reinforcement method? I've seen you do a couple things. That's kind of why I asked. Right. So if I was doing a concrete table, I would use a plywood core that has wire lath stapled to it. And the plywood core would be coated in a couple a couple coats of a polyurethane or any kind of waterproofing clear sealer so that mm -hmm. it doesn't absorb water from the concrete. And that'll give it a lot of strength and reduce the weight and also give you something to attach legs to. So that's, yeah. that's 
my my go-to method for if I don't want to go with like GFRC, which is the glass fiber reinforced concrete, but still want it to be stronger and lighter. So I might only do the concrete as like a one inch thick uh, layer over the plywood. So right. so the plywood would be actually on the bottom, but not like encased in the concrete? Uh, it would be encased around all the sides except the bottom. Yeah, okay. So gotcha. I'd make it, I would make a laminate mold and I would make a plywood core that was about two layers thick because you don't want the plywood to bend because the plywood bends and the concrete doesn't bend and the concrete yeah. will crack. Right. Um, so you just have to make the plywood core stiff enough. So for me, that's normally two layers of plywood for the for basic table sizes. And then I'll, between the plywood core and the top surface, I would pour the concrete about three quarters of an inch to an inch thick. And then around the edges, I'd have it be around three inches of concrete around the edges. So you have it uh, it's sort of like a concrete beam around the edges of the table. Gotcha. Yeah, it gives you a good bumper too. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Well, what are you guys obsessed with this week? Have you been watching anything new? Any Anything on Netflix? Anything on YouTube? Or have you been recently exposed to a new product or tool that you would like to shout out? Mm, I actually have one that I haven't got to use yet, but it's in the mail that I think could be the ultimate bend tool. We'll ah. see so it's woodpeckers came out it i don't know which exact track saws it works on i know it definitely works on the festool and a few others i want to try it on like the craig one but it's basically an attachment that goes on your track saw that's so it's all still handheld but you can quickly adjust and lock in angles so it's kind of like a i don't know like a rapid fire angle cutting with a track saw sort of tool I don't know if it makes any sense the way that does I'm it operate by making the track sit at an angle, but the saw yeah, so still the, cuts square. So it sits on the end of your track, and it would have like a flat part that would butt up against your workpiece, and mm -hmm. then it's would picture like a giant miter gauge or something right. that goes in your table saw, so you can dial in angles and then lock it down. And so now you'd have it handheld and butt up against your workpiece, but it would be holding your track at like a perfect forty-five or whatever angle you dial in and then so you're holding it with the one hand and then cutting with the other one and then they make actually like shorter tracks that you could throw it on because you can you can put it on the big ones like you know yeah. i'll probably be using it on a four foot one but they make a track that's i don't know two feet ish that you could throw it on and like quickly you know just handheld cut things out whatever angle and have it dialed in so like say you were had to cut a bunch of pieces at the same angle you wouldn't have to like eyeball it each time and line it up or even strike a line or anything. You just hold it right up to it and cut it. So that's going to be a fun one to get to play around with. It should be here in the next couple of days, hopefully. I know Woodpickers does a lot of those one-time tools where they sort of launch them, people yeah. buy them, and then they're gone unless they produce mm -hmm. them for a second time. Is that what this is or are they planning I on keeping it I think this is a permanent stock? one. Cool. I'm pretty sure okay. this is a permanent one. And it's already available, I know, but awesome. I just haven't gotten mine yet. I'm excited to check it out. That sounds really neat. Yeah, because I've been using the Craig track saw a lot. Now that I have yeah. an ACS, I've got a track that go comes with that as well as another extension so that I've got a 10-foot track. Yeah. And so lately, as I've been breaking down plywood, that's kind of been my go-to. And, dude, I love it. Track yeah. saws, 10 out of 10. That's not my obsession, but it definitely is deserving of an obsession. It's yeah, great. I think that they're getting to the point now where it's going to become a more common tool. Not that yeah. they already, I mean, they're already pretty common, but I think... It's just price point. Like, yeah. we got we to gotta have Harbor Freight carry a crappy track saw. We've got to have Home Depot, you know, now we need Home Depot carrying 
like the Craig track saw, the DeWalt track saw, and maybe yeah, so one people more. are like seeing them, like oh, this is a thing. Most yeah, people I, probably are not even aware of them. If what's just... the price point on that Craig track saw? So I'd I'd have to look up the price because you can buy things individually, but for the whole like ACS thing that we have, it's about nine hundred bucks, and that's with the whole table, and then you can take the track saw part off of it. Mm. So right, that's why independent think... track saw is two ninety nine. So that's actually. Very affordable for it's, how it's, good it is. It's the cheapest, other I think than like a grizzly other one. than the, some crappy Amazon ones. I think the Craig and then Grizzly ones are the same price, right? Yeah, I'm not sure the price of the Grizzly one, but I know okay. it's definitely you know cheaper than the Festool and Makita and all those ones. Yeah. And I've been really impressed. I don't know, you know, I've talked to you a little bit about yours, but dude, I'm honestly, I'm, obviously, I have a lot of experience with the Festool one and. The Craig one has been awesome. Like, I'm not just yeah. saying that because they they sponsor me, obviously, but I actually toned it down quite a bit in the video just because I was afraid if I was too enthusiastic that it would come off as fake. But like, it's legit awesome and a great value. I really do think that. Yeah, I've used your track saw, I think, once or twice. I've used Urban Timbers, Big Festival <clears throat> track saw. I've used the Craig one and... They op- I mean, the dust collection on Festool things are just so nice, so you can't necessarily compare that. But in terms of performance on a- every other spectrum, this Craig one is insanely, insanely, uh, yeah, just good. And it's, even on, on that it's note, good. You can, I've, I found out you can just plug your Festool dust extract, if you already have one, you can plug it right into the Craig one. And oh, it it's works the same perfect. size port, huh? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, cool. Well, I guess a track saw is not my obsession, but we gave it enough enough love that it could have been, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I think the the one thing it'll be nice when they're when they're not corded is the, is the one sort of drawback I sort of look. I see a lot of people sort of flapping the cord to to either yeah. side. Yeah. Um. They could definitely very easily be not corded too. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, a, a a brushless circular saw. Have yeah, way way more than it needs in terms of power. Yeah, yeah. It was it was an interesting move for for Craig because this was the first time they actually have made or white labeled a power tool itself, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, everything Instead else has of been more jigs. To it. Or, jigs, yeah. No, that's a. It's interesting. It's exciting for me. My shout out is going to be to Heath Ceramics on Instagram. So I recently was in San Francisco and got to check out their showroom and it was incredible if you're in san francisco go to heath ceramics the design's incredible the craftsmanship's incredible and the stuff isn't it's weird it, it, it's 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 dramatic in a very subtle way they're the precision of it i think is what's sort of appealing to me and then the the way they use glazes it's not over the top but they have really subtle nice colors matte finishes and they have these tables set up with a whole bunch of tiles where you could like pick from all these different racks of different colors and shapes and then they have this big felt pad on this flat table where you could kind of like design your backsplash for your kitchen in real time on this oh, cool. surface and then just like buy all the tiles and go so check it out and again it's just reinforced that that ongoing desire to get involved with ceramics Absolutely. I just checked out their website. It looks really, really cool. And my obsession this week is going to be AirPods. Ooh, I, you got a pair? Yeah, Ben got some pretty early on. He, 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 wasn't, he didn't get them immediately, but he got them real quick after they came out. Mm-hmm. And at first, I thought he looked silly walking around with those <laughs> things all the time. 
And then more and more people kept getting them to the point where yeah. now, like, if you're walking around in public with AirPods, people don't even think about it. It's just you might as well just be walking around normal. And right. so now that the stigma's gone, I picked up some AirPods. They are amazing. They sound really, really great. They've got a lot better sound than I expected, and they're a lot louder than I thought that they would be. Now, but they're not like something that you could use in the workshop, really, right? Like they don't block oh, I have out been. exterior. You do? Oh, I have been. Yeah. And, and what's kind of cool about them is they've got surprisingly good like bass response, which does a good job of muffling other noise. And so, yeah, I've been using them for the past couple of days. I haven't had them for very long. I've had them for probably half of a week now. And I've just shout out Isotunes. Isotunes are a great product, but my Isotunes haven't gotten used since I've gotten AirPods. Now, see, I don't know if I have weird shaped ears or whatever, but like I always yes. find that... <laughs> All right, never mind. That's the end of the show, everybody. Thank you for listening. No, they, I don't know. They never stay in my canals that well. I yeah. feel like if I did a little bit of this, they would fall out. So I'm I'm in the boat where I prefer like the old school Apple uh, earbuds or whatever they're called yeah, instead the of the that, like, newer shapes. Phone. Yeah, exactly. See, I always and had so, terrible luck with those. Those would not stay in my ears at all. So there's got to be some sort of a, an attachment. I'm sure there's already an insane amount of attachments like whether it's like the sport band yeah, that even kind of wraps they, around your ear or something like that. Even if they just came with like, you know, the soft gummy tips that kind of plug up your ears, like those yeah. were perfect for me. Well, that's what I was thinking is we need to design that, my man. Mm. We need to come out with some <laughs> we Wooden. need to come out with some like noise reducing AirPod accessories. Wooden wooden ear tips. Oh yeah, there you go. It's the only material <laughs> I know. Ben, you can make some out of concrete. There you go. Maybe I'll make some out of... Oh, actually, crayon would work. It's nice and waxy. Probably kind of form. If you if your ears are 140 degrees, it could melt a little bit and then <laughs> reform. Just get a real good fever going. Yeah, sounds yeah. about right. Nice melted wax right. tip. Yep. That's All awesome. Right. Well, if you guys want to support your favorite visual arts podcast... <laughs> <laughs> Number one, baby. You know, I think that is the good thing. Of everyone that listens to our podcast, we're probably the only visual arts podcast, so we're automatically their favorite. That's great. That's true. I'm really excited about the potential there. But if you want to support us, we always appreciate a follow on Instagram. That's right. I am at Modern Builds Ben. You are at Benjamin Ueda. U-Y-E-D-A is how you spell his last name. And then Chris Salamoni is at Four Eyes Furniture. Sure I said your name, last name so <laughs> weird. Chris yeah, no. Salamoni. <laughs> Regardless, though, everybody, thank you for listening. We appreciate the fact that you guys listen every week. To everybody that messages us, you know, with cool topic suggestions or questions that they're interested in us answering, we always appreciate that. That's pretty much how we got our topic for today. So that's awesome. Thank you yeah. guys, and we'll see you next time on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye.